is Amber and Ian, but no Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. Gabe Neitzel steps in to take over. You can find him on social at gneitzel16. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Amber and Ian is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Gabe, welcome. We've got some football tonight. Oh, I can't wait. And shout out to Tausch. I I know uh, Tausch is my guy. Uh, I was the one who shared that uh, song, I guess, for lack of a better word, with Uh, Ian that led to everybody else on the, uh, you know, who's a fan of this show having to hear Mark Tausch's vocal cords. But, you know, shout shout out to my guy, Tausch. Okay. Well, I think I could have gone my whole life without hearing it, but I guess thanks it for, was for sharing. It was uh, entertaining. You had a it, good time with it. It We did. We we certainly had a good time with it. We will see who has a good time tonight, whether it's going to end up being Eagles fans or Vikings fans here in week two of the NFL. Amber and Ian's presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. So Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, they welcome the Minnesota Vikings to Lincoln Financial tonight. A battle between a couple teams that, of course, we saw in the playoffs last season, but a couple teams that we also saw Gabe struggle in week one. Yes, the Eagles got the win, but boy, was it ugly in Minnesota, a loss to Tampa Bay. Yeah, with Minnesota, they got off to a slow start. Both these teams did. And I wonder if it's because these teams have a little bit more experience than other teams. So right now in the NFL, these first two weeks are just a feeling out process. It's not like it was in the early 2000s, in the 90s, where teams are going through two-a-days and playing four or five preseason games to get themselves ready. A lot of these teams, a lot of teams that aren't young, want to prioritize making sure they're healthy for the start of the regular season, and they don't care if their teams you know, struggle or stumble a little bit coming out of the blocks because they want to be healthy, and they know now with 17 games there is a little bit of wiggle room to try to make up some of that ground. And the Vikings are in a bad enough division potentially that even if they stumble and go 0-2 after losing tonight, I don't think that they're completely out of it in the North yet. It seems like they won't be completely out of it, although Detroit looked pretty good there in week one. Jordan Love looked better than a lot of people expected there in week one. Chicago Bears, not so much. Uh, don't have anything to say there about them. But the point is that there could be some competition in that division as we move forward. We are talking about a 13-win team, though, from last season in Minnesota. A 13-win team that somehow nobody believed in, even though they had 13 wins in well, the regular season. Because they had a negative point differential. They won 13 games, yet over the course of a 17-game season, they gave up more points than they scored, which seems impossible. It seems impossible, but it wasn't. It panned out for Minnesota in the win-loss column. It does seem like replicating that magic would be truly impossible this season. The margin for victory was so small for them last season. They end up winning a lot of close games. It was a lot of ugly wins. It felt like a lot of luck that was on their side. They're going to need a lot of that luck again this season. They lost by three points to Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Bucks, despite outgaining... Tampa by 159 yards on total offense. It was ugly. It was turnover ugly. They had a three turnover differential with the Bucks, two of them occurring inside the Bucks 30 yard line. The sloppiness of that game, I agree with you, probably has a whole lot to do with the fact that these teams no longer care about the preseason, particularly a team like Minnesota. You've got vets all over that team. Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, they, they were still out there doing 
remarkable things. I mean, Justin Jefferson is just so darn good. And he still looked it in week one. But collectively as a team, they're not taking that opportunity to gel like you said they used to in the preseason. They're not risking those things anymore. We have an elongated regular season. Week one looked real sloppy across the entire NFL. And the Vikings fit into that category. By the way, so did the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles pulled it off, but they almost didn't pull it off. They did not at all look like the same team that was in the Super Bowl last season. Given Bill Belichick had a lot of time to repair to prepare for Jalen Hurts, he was highly effective in that preparation against Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense and that defense for the Eagles allowing the Patriots to storm all the way back. Yeah, it's it's going to be curious, I think, for the Eagles to see how they adjust to how everybody else adjusts to them because they caught everybody by storm last year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember anybody having the Philadelphia Eagles in their Super Bowl picks a year ago, but it starts to make sense when you see how well Jalen Hurts played in the addition of A.J. Brown, but now teams that get that opportunity to see that, and then you see what Bill Belichick does against you, more teams are going to start to copy that. I don't know if Minnesota defensively has that same personnel that they'll be able to do some of the things that the New England Patriots are able to do last week, especially on a short week, but that's something that Philadelphia is going to have to deal with, and that's something that Jalen Hurts is going to have to deal with and go out there and prove. I think he can prove it, but there are a number of different quarterbacks, Amber, across the NFL that have had one good season. Been able to go. You just brought up Baker Mayfield. Baker had a tremendous season in Cleveland. Took them to the playoffs. Won a playoff game. And everybody thought that they had their quarterback problems solved for the next decade. Well, that ended up not being the case, and Baker's bounced around since then. I don't think that's what happens with Jalen Hurts, and clearly neither do the Eagles as they paid him all that money. But that's that's the tough part. Okay, you had the one good season. Now back it up. Show you can do it again and again and again, and that's how you get to that greatness tier of NFL quarterback play. That is absolutely how you do it. And when you prove it one year, we want you to prove it again, even if you got paid. And that's certainly the world that Jalen Hurts is finding himself in because of the rising expectations. There were none of those expectations as you went into last season. There was a lot of questions about Jalen Hurts. Gabe, if you'll remember, Mm -hmm. I mean, there were some problems there in terms of the accuracy, the throwing ability. Is Jalen really going to be able to take that next step forward? He didn't just take a step forward. I mean, he took a, a monumental leap forward last season and everything went right for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's been rewarded for it handsomely with that contract. He's locked in, but that expectation now, where it is set from what we saw with that team, the analysis surrounding him, the noise surrounding him is going to be a whole different ball game this season. So he doesn't have to prove himself in terms of job security. That's the reality of it. He's going to be there. He's going to be the starting quarterback of the Eagles, no matter what happens. They don't make the playoffs this season. He's he's still bought himself quite significant time, but He did not buy himself any time when it comes to the noise around him, the analysis around him, and how critical people are going to be because it with great responsibility, with great expectations, right? And and that's the that division is probably the toughest in the NFC and probably has more to say about what you know the state of the NFC as bad as the south is still don't know what the north is I mean maybe the west ends up being a little bit better this year if Matthew Stafford stays healthy but that division had three playoff teams a year ago the Giants laid an egg in week one but the Dallas Cowboys looked like they're ready to go and the Dallas Cowboys looked like they're coming for that top spot in the NFC so that's something that you also have to deal with it being in in that division if you're the Philadelphia Eagles look it's week one I, I wasn't that worried about them but when you, it, it's just kind of tough after you play that tough, hard fought game and you don't look your sharpest to then have to turn around and play on the short week on Thursday. That's, that's a tough ask for the Philadelphia Eagles tonight. 
It is week one. It's a tough ask. It's a tough ask for the Vikings as well. Both these teams coming off of struggling week ones on a short week, trying to turn it around. The Eagles can make a statement here tonight if they come out and they look a lot more like that team that we saw in the Super Bowl and some of that rust is worn off and maybe some of that was Belichick just having all that opportunity to game plan for that Philadelphia offense. We will see, though, how the Vikings handle things. The Vikings did hold the Bucks to only 242 total yards and 20 points in that opener, generating only 3.6 yards per play for Tampa. So that Vikings defense did what it could there. We'll see what it does tonight against Jalen Hurts and this Philly offense. We will continue to keep you updated throughout the show on that game. When action starts in about one hour from now, we will constantly keep you updated on the score. Coming up next, though, on Amber and Ian, Gabe Knights will fill in tonight for Ian. What is Mike Norvell doing? We will get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the app. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Along here on Amber and Ian, Gabe Neitzel filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. We are gearing up for Thursday night football. That game between the Vikings and the Eagles kicks off in just about an hour from now. But there is, of course, a slate of games in college football. Not the best weekend in college football we've ever seen. Next weekend's going to be a monster Ooh. game in terms of matchups. But this weekend, listen, we got some rivalries going on, and one of those being Colorado, Colorado State. Whenever you're talking about an in-state rival, the emotions are running high. There's already a lot of juice to the matchup, no matter where anybody's ranked or how anybody's doing in a season. These teams don't like each other. Well, now apparently... These two specific teams, and more specifically, the head coaches and coaching staffs really don't like each other. Because for some reason, the Colorado State head coach, Jay Norval, he decided to go on the Jay Norvell Coaches Show on Learfield IMG Radio Network and make some comments about that coach standing on the other sidelines on Saturday. Take a listen. You know, we're excited. Our kids are really you know, we had to do a bunch of ESPN videos, and it was great. I loved it. And and uh, But our kids came out of those videos really with a chip on their shoulder. They're tired of all that stuff. They really are tired of it. And I sat down with ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. So... You know, they're not going to like us no matter what we say or do. It doesn't matter, okay? So let's go up there and play. And so I 
that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. And so I don't mean to take over the show, but it's your show. I'm just tired of. <laughs> I mean, I'm tired of all that stuff. It's just it's it's, and I know everybody else is too. Of everybody else's. I mean, the audience certainly sounded like they were on Jay Norvell's side, but I'm guessing the audience was a little pro Colorado State. Why? 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 Why would you do this? Like, were you not paying attention last week? I, I missed whatever. I mean, so Colorado, if you happened to miss last week, uh, so Colorado took a little bit of, you know, they weren't happy with Nebraska apparently holding some sort of team meeting on the Buffalo. They found that disrespectful. Okay, I get that. Team's very, respect, you know, very protective of their logos. Uh, but I, I missed the part where Matt Rule disrespected Dion at some point before the game. I, I looked, I tried to find the story, couldn't find it. But somewhere... At some point, there was a veiled shot at Dion, I guess. And Colorado decided to take that and use it as motivation. Use it as motivation going into the game. Look, Colorado State probably doesn't have much of a chance in this game. They only scored they scored less than 20 points in every game they played last year. They did get over 20 points against Washington State last week. Still lost that game because they gave up 50. Do you really want to make Colorado upset with you? Don't you want to, if you want some chance in this game to fly in under the radar, why on earth, Jay Norvell, would you want to get on Dion's radar? Because he has shown after week one, after week two, he's keeping receipts. And guess what? Dion's been really good over the course of his career on cashing in on those receipts that people give him. So why would, why, why would you do this, Jay Norvell? You don't have you, it's not like you're the favorite going into this game. Don't underdogs want to fly under the radar in order for a chance to win? Why do you have to make this noise? It does seem like a bad strategy, especially when you consider what happened last weekend. And you're right, it was that meeting and apparently it was that meeting at midfield that everybody on Colorado became so offended by, particularly Dion's son. He became mm-hmm. really offended by it. Matt Rule said that there was no disrespect meant that they do it for every game, that they meet at midfield, and that they pray, and that they invited Shador Sanders to pray with them. And then, But that's not at all how Shador Sanders took the situation. He said it was extremely personal. He felt like the whole team went on the logo to disrespect the logo. We see how that turned out for Nebraska. Whether they intended to at Nebraska disrespect Colorado or not. Colorado felt disrespected and we saw the results of that. It worked out pretty well for the Colorado Buffalo. So this is now just fuel for the fire here. And I don't know why you would give Deion Sanders any more fuel for this fire. This team is rolling. This team has already exceeded expectations. This hire from this athletic director at Colorado already a slam dunk a few weeks into the college football season. Right? I mean, they already got yes. their money's worth. Yep. They got their attention. They've yep. exceeded their win total from last year. Like, they've checked all the boxes. They've done everything they need to, to do, <laughs> frankly. Anything from here on out is just icing on the cake. Like they've got all the attention. Like again, you mentioned how this week, you know, the, the slate of games, you don't have that, you know, big-time two t- teams in the top 25 matchup. So everybody wants to keep an eye on Dion. Oh, hey, what's Dion doing? So a lot of people are paying attention to this Colorado-Colorado State game. Man, I just... And maybe, I don't know, I think most teams would just want to fly under the radar. Hey, we're going to sneak up on them. They're going to be riding high after doing things, and everybody wants to pay attention to Colorado and Dion and everything that they're doing. We're going to fly in under the radar here. We're going to surprise some people. No, you just decided to paint a big target on your back, 
And now any sort of element of surprise or hoping that, oh, maybe they'll take us easy. Maybe they'll see that 18-point spread in Vegas and go, oh, we've got this and try to go on cruise control. No, not all of that's gone now because you decided to make all the big jumping motions and make sure that they see you coming for this game coming up on Saturday. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And I don't know... Look, I, I mean, this is probably the last time we talk about Jay Norvell this season. It's not like Colorado State's a power in the Mountain West. And maybe he's just trying to get a little of attention for himself and his school and his program. But, man, you would think he would just be better off just kind of flying in under the radar here. And instead he's going for 15 seconds of fame for his program. I don't know if this is the type of attention you need. Now, if he goes out and he wins and he beats Dion. Maybe we'll have a different attitude because, listen, we are talking about Jay Norvell. Like, that's reality. We are talking about this matchup more than we otherwise would have been. We would have been talking about the Colorado side of this matchup. We, frankly, would not have been talking about the Colorado State side of this matchup going into this matchup. So it may end up looking like a good idea in the end if Colorado State can pull it off. But they don't need a bigger target on their back. I mean, they're already going in this, as you mentioned, a severe underdog by all accounts. They're unranked. Colorado's heading into this thing, the 18th team in the country, and frankly, the number one team in the country in terms of attention heading into week two of the college football season. So are week three. Where are we? Week two. Zero, one, two. It's confusing because of week, week zero. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, it's like, yeah, why are we doing that? With the, why couldn't we have just started back over with the one and adjusted everything? They get all fancy in college football. Deion Sanders, he responded to what Jay Norvell said. Here is the Colorado head coach. Beautiful day, ain't it? Yes, sir. I'm minding my own business, watching some film, trying to get ready, trying to get out here and be the best coach I could be. And I look up and I read some bull junk that Dan said about us. Talk to us. Once again. Uh, talk to us. Why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts up, and do our job on Saturday. Yes, but when they give us ammunition, they unmess around and made it what? <laughs> it was just going to be a good game. They unmess around and made it personal. It was going to be a great test. A battle. Of Colorado, but they'll mess around and made it personal. So now they've messed around and made it personal. But he did. He decided to go after Dion and uh, insinuate that Dion wasn't raised right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly he, what he did. Right. That, that's as personal as you can get, right? You start going after somebody's mom, that's as personal as it gets. Right. And he did, I mean, in a roundabout way, right? He, he didn't directly go after. Mrs. Sanders, but he did say, <laughs> you know, my mother raised me this way. And the implication there is your mother did not. And yes, you that's never an implication that anybody, anybody once made about them with anything. Frankly, it's such an old person take too. it just it, oh, like 100%. it just sounds it just sounds like so get off my lawn, you know, take off your sunglasses and and take off your hat and respect it's like what when i'm talking to adults jay norvell better hope that he remembers to take off his hat when he goes to the podium after the game because if you address the media with a hat on oh apparently the the media that covers your team not adults because you're not taking off your hat like again you've just now opened up yourself and in today's world of social media i'm surprised nobody's gone back yet to take a look at old press conferences because how many head coaches after the game after wearing a head hat on the sideline go to the podium and take off their hat Right. No, it, I, I darn sure don't when I'm talking to adults. I do not take <laughs> off my hat. I wear hats all the time. Yep. I've talked to James Steele, our producer, numerous times with hats on. I wear hats uh, constantly. Turns you know out, turns out James not an adult. Take, yeah, James, well, sorry, you James, you're not that an adult. That might be true. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, a poor example that's fairly true. That's a probably a good assessment. 
that was a poor example by me. What's funny about this too is because there's this implication that Dion's not raised properly, right? And yep. then if you could consider what Dion's accomplished in his life, I would mm-hmm. say <laughs> that that man ends up, you know, being raised pretty well, right? And and we're seeing the fruits of that continue forth because what Dion Sanders is doing as a head coach now of Colorado, it's remarkable what he did at Jackson State. It's remarkable what we're seeing him do now. Turn around a program in such a short period of time. Turn around two programs, by the way, back-to-back because he also completely turned around Jackson State. The crazy part about Dion's response as well, and I never really thought about it, like they're not talking about anybody else either. He's 100% right. They keep to themselves. Now, after the game, they're going to take a little bit of a victory lap if you came after them and they were able to dominate you the way that they were able to do Nebraska or go out and beat TCU. Yeah, they've got those receipts, and they're going to let you know that you were wrong. But heading into a game, like they didn't say anything about TCU, didn't say anything about, about Nebraska, and really still haven't said anything about Colorado State. Yet everybody wants to get off their hot takes about Dion and the Colorado Buffaloes. In fairness, they don't really need to say anything, though, Colorado, because we're all talking about them constantly, right? I mean, it is the most attention that program has ever received. Coming up next, let's get back into Thursday Night Football. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. I'm not concerned about the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they will figure it out. Now I want to see how they respond, and I think they'll be all right against the Vikings. I really do. Vikings never play well in Philadelphia. There's always going to be a great battle with the top corners in the league. I'm always excited to have those type of matchups, but uh, there's definitely you know some tension going into the game. He's an amazing player, man. Tough task. High energy guy. You know, grab the catch. Shoot full goal speed. So uh, it'll take always a team effort to you know, stop a guy like that. Welcome back to Amber and Ian. Gabe Neitzel filling in for Ian tonight. Amber and Ian's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Find him at GNeitzel16. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. You can always join the conversation. Triple eight, say ESPN. We are getting you geared up for Thursday night football. Eagles, Vikings kicks off. 8.15 p.m. Eastern. When that game does kick off, we will continue to talk about it all throughout tonight's show. We, of course, keep you updated on it as well. But the Vikings game, we talked about how sloppy they looked in week one. Both of these teams, frankly, look sloppy. You and I kind of brushing it off a bit because we're talking about two playoff teams from last season, and it's week one. And week one at this point in the NFL is sort of like a preseason, it's preseason game five, right? I mean, that's the yep. reality of the situation. It's, it's for the starters. They start gearing up in week one or two. Yeah, and you just saw it with the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, they had bad turnovers. When you look at the yardage totals, like the offense, yardage totals, not bad. Defense, they held the Tampa Bay Buccaneers seemingly in check, but they put themselves in bad situations because they kept turning the ball over and giving the Buccaneers great field position. And even if your defense is playing all right, there's only so much you can do when you continuously turn the ball over for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm really curious to see how this year goes for the, for the Vikings, though, because... They've pretty much all but said that this is going to be it for Kirk Cousins. He's in the final year of a contract, and they don't seem interested in having him come back. I don't know what direction they go for quarterback because 
I don't think they're going to be bad enough to be in contention for one of the top two picks that you would presume would be potentially Caleb Williams, Drake May, both highly thought of prospects. I don't think they're going to be that bad. I don't think you can be that bad if Kirk Cousins is your quarterback and Justin, Justin Jefferson, Jefferson. Is, playing, <laughs> is playing wide receiver. Like Just yeah. that combination alone should be able to win you a handful of games that's going to take you out of consideration for one of those top two picks. But at the same time, you know they, they let some of their other veterans go this offseason, including Adam Thielen, and you know trying to retool the defense a little bit. It's It almost seems like they want to rebuild, but they have... Too many good players, like they made the trade for TJ Hawkinson last year. They're kind of caught in this weird in-between where it doesn't seem like they're quite committed to either rebuilding or trying to find a quarterback to make all this work with the weapons that they have offensively. We had on Ben Gessling yesterday, who covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune, and he said that they are in this sort of weird place where they are in this quiet rebuild while also trying to win. They're sort of in a quiet rebuild while coming off of 13 wins last season and being a team that you could see easily winning the division again this season. And so it's hard to walk that line and to do both, and yet you're sort of seeing the Minnesota Vikings try to do both. Kirk Cousins becomes a free agent after this season. I would imagine a world where they move on from Kirk Cousins, unless they make some incredible noise this season, but because they're not going to want to pay him on the back end for an older quarterback. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. He might be a great quarterback, right, by a lot of standards. He's certainly a very solid quarterback and consistent quarterback for them. But if you are looking towards the future, that's probably not the guy you're going to go with, even if just from a pure age and contract perspective, because why pay that guy and have to pony up the money? But like you said, you're also not really going to be able to address the issue at the top of the draft because you're not going to be that bad. Unless, do you try to trade Kirk Cousins to the New York Jets? (laughs) (laughs) crazier things have been done they've got their first rounder now because they don't have to send it to green bay aaron Rodgers didn't play 65 percent of his snaps and so they get to retain their first round would they trade the first rounder for kirk it's hard for me to believe from the jets angle gabe because you're talking about a season rental and then also if you're the jets you probably don't want to play kirk cousins or pay kirk cousins because i imagine anyways you're still paying aaron Rodgers unless he retires yeah and, and Rodgers, you know with an instagram post today you know kind of insinuating that he's going to be back next year but maybe I mean maybe that would make sense if Zach Wilson ends up kind of being the Zach Wilson that he was last year who eventually got benched for Mike White and Joe Flacco when you ended up being quarterback three on this team maybe that makes a little bit of sense for you if you decide hey you know what we've got a roster that's ready to go right now we've got a roster that we think we can compete with and we don't even because look I, I think after watching that defense play on Monday night you didn't even need 2020-2021 MVP Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. You just needed competent Aaron Rodgers who's not going to turn the ball over, which he does basically in his sleep. You just need somebody to be able to run that offense. And, you know, maybe trading for Kirk Cousins makes a lot of sense. I believe he has a no-trade clause, but he does. why would Kirk Cousins say no to a trade like that? If the Vikings season's going south and you've got a chance to go to a team that has that defense, that has those weapons that maybe you can be a part of for a single season— I, I don't know why Kirk Cousins would say no to that. There's probably some other things salary cap-wise, but as we've learned over the last, I don't know, pretty much since 2020, the NFL salary caps pretty much make-believe, and you can make a lot of things work within that structure that they have. So if things start to go south, if they lose this game tonight, and they go to 0-2, and they lose a couple more games, and they're you know sitting there with only two or three wins around the trade deadline, I, why would you not explore it? You know, if if Zach Wilson's struggling out in New York. 
Kirk Cousins is 35 years old. If you're Kirk Cousins, of course, you would want to go to a team that looks suited and a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. I would maybe not want to stand behind that line at 35 years old. Like That would concern me a little bit. Not great. Not great. So that great. might be the frankly understating it a little bit there, Gabe. And then also, yeah, I mean, you did just you did just see potentially a, a Hall of Fame career end, right behind behind that line. Again, not, not a great visual. Not you know, great. If you're, Kirk, if you're Cousins. Kirk Cousins, you're probably a little concerned. And then the other reason that you would maybe be a little worried about it, I guess, is you know, old Kirky on that show, quarterback on Netflix. He seemed very Minnesota in a lot of ways. Like he seemed very comfortable there with his hey. life, his family. He seemed very happy there. He's got I don't that know Minnesota if, nice thing going. Yeah, I don't know. Like the whole like I shop at Costco thing. Like I don't. Know, does that vibe the same way in New York? I doubt it. it. No, I, I don't think it does. I don't think it works. I don't think it works playing for uh, for the Jets in New York. It's not so. the same thing. That oh yeah, we're, we're making a family trip to Costco. No, right. that's. <laughs> It's we still shop at Target. You know, we're like, we're just like you. Stars, we're just like you. So I don't know the vibe of the number one market in the country is quite the same for Kirk Cousins. But if you look at that defense, I mean, any quarterback would be salivating joining a team with that defense because then offensively, you don't have to do nearly as much. Uh, they're no. going to give you plenty of time and, and plenty of opportunity to win games. And so it's certainly an interesting proposition from the Minnesota perspective. If you genuinely are going to go into a situation where even if you're not in a true rebuild or even if we're all overstating it and they end up being good this season, they're still probably not winning a Super Bowl this season. And short of that, and if you don't want to pay him next season, no matter how good you end up being this season, short of, again, winning a Super Bowl, because he's 35, even though he's been very good for you, then why not get something in return for him? And you're going to need a little something more in return for him, even if it just means having more assets to trade up in the draft because you're not going to be bad enough to do to get that guy in the draft. Yeah, that's the that's the crazy part with this whole Kirk Cousins situation in Minnesota is I don't know what the Vikings plan is, and I'm not sure if they know what their plan is for quarterback after this season. And maybe that's they've decided that's a that's a problem for the future, Minnesota Vikings. We don't have to worry about that right now. We'll worry about that come, you know, February, March as as we you know, they get ready for the draft in April. But maybe they should have been more involved in taking a look at Trey Lance. At least you would have somebody on the roster that you could go, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is going to be our plan. It's because it they've again, made it kind of obvious that they don't want Kirk Cousins around after this year. They, right. they, they haven't really been that aggressive in terms of the trade negotiations. You mentioned how good of a fit he's been in Minnesota. I'm sure Cousins would like to stay in Minnesota, but it doesn't seem like the Vikings want him. And and I get it. I understand it, even though I think Kirk Cousins is underrated in a lot of ways. But I also understand why, if you're in Minnesota and you feel like you're in a building sort of situation moving forward, you don't want to pay. You don't want to do that around a 35 year old. You don't want to do that over a 35 year old around a 35 year old who's going to command a lot of money as well. I mean, he's already this season on a 48 million, almost 49 million dollar dead cap hit this season. That certainly affects this conversation. In Oof. terms of trading him. Oof. So I don't know from the money perspective, frankly, if it is possible. Oof. But moving forward, he will end up getting paid by some team. And if you're Minnesota and getting paid quite handsomely, maybe you don't want to be the team to pony up the money. Chris Canty, he is the co-host of Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio in the mornings. He says that the Vikings seem to be want to move want to be moving in a different direction in the future. 
unless you're talking about having a season where your team can be in the mix for a playoff spot, potentially winning the NFC North, then do you want to commit long-term to Kirk Cousins now? The answer to that is probably no. If the front office was going to do something with Kirk, it probably would have already been done by now. So now you're in this in-between zone where you're trying to evaluate him, and you know it's not necessarily the best roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball, in order to do that. I mean, Justin Jefferson's also a free agent pretty soon, 2025. So after next season, Justin Jefferson is a free agent as well. Next season, we might be having the same conversation about Justin Jefferson. What are they going to try to get in return for him if they go into a full rebuild mode and move on from Kirk Cousins for next season? It's interesting, though, because you heard Canty there mention the NFC North. If they're not going to win the NFC North, I mean, they still very much could win the NFC North. I mean, what's it going to take to win the North? Eight wins? Nine wins? Ten wins? Maybe. I mean, again, you know, it, the Detroit looked good. I They're a team that I think has been a bit overhyped here during the Dan Campbell era, although in week one, I can't deny how they looked, and so maybe they are finally ready to take that next step. Jordan Love, uh, I don't, I don't know how the Packers keep doing it, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to make him Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers, but apparently the Packers can just, you know, every couple decades pluck a quarterback out of the air and and like that guy will actually pan out. That's what it looked like, anyways, from one week so far. It's early. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bears also looked very, very bad. The Bears very looked very bad. Bears bad. Justin Fields looked way worse, I think, than all of us expected. Oh, a hundred percent. So. The North, I think, is still wide open. You mentioned the Lions. I think the Lions have turned over a new leaf because the Detroit Lions that I've known and I've watched for the last 30 years would have found a way to lose that game a week ago on Thursday against the Kansas City Chiefs, but they found a way to win. So they have a little bit more of a toughness under Dan Campbell that they have not had in the past. I still don't know what the Packers are. The Packers had the youngest roster in the NFL in week one, and with that youth, typically there comes some sort of learning curve. So yeah, they they look great on Sunday, but... With that youth, it's about trying to find that consistency. It's going to be a roller coaster ride, and maybe they can ride it and and find their way to double digit wins. But again, given given the landscape of the NFC, not even just the NFC North, just taking a look at what the Vikings' schedule is and the NFC in totality, I don't find it very hard to believe that with the weapons that they have between Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson, and if Kirk Cousins plays similar to the way he did last year that the Vikings can win eight or nine, potentially ten games, and be in that mix in the NFC North. If they beat the Eagles tonight, that'll go a long way to quieting this conversation surrounding Kirk Cousins, frankly, and everybody wondering if the Vikings are going to do it again in terms of another 13-win type season. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, we gave Knights will fill in for Ian tonight. My quarterback, the Dolphins, my quarterback, has been quite feisty with the media lately. We'll get into that. Amber and Ian's on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We have been talking a lot about the Eagles and the Vikings. Action starts in about 20 minutes from now. We will get you updated when that game kicks off for Thursday Night Football. But let's talk about some of the other teams around the NFL and where they stand. My team, the Miami Dolphins. Let's just happen to start there, Gabe. You know, like just, just randomly, let's pick a spot. Yeah, just Miami. You know, sounds like I, a good time. I, I just I threw the names of all the NFL teams in a hat, and I shook them up, and it just happens to me. My Dolphins that came out of the hat. So let's talk about it. Tua. Hold on, has, I just want you to know, Gabe, that she calls me a homer. <laughs> well, you are we're mentioning. You, I mean, I'm mentioning the Chiefs every once in a while, but she every needs once to do in a while, entire segments on every Miami team that's ever lived. I just want to point that out. Okay, that's James Steele produces ahead. the show. Tua. We, we talking about Steele. the Marlins later? 
Yeah, well, we are. Don't you worry. <laughs> Listen, they're still in the mix. The Marlins are still in the hunt. They can don't, still make the postseason here. That's on, we'll get to that. That's on me, James. I yeah, we'll get to that later. Okay. All right. Let's stick here with Tua Tagovailoa, the Dolphins quarterback. <laughs> he has been getting a little saucy now with the media. Not something that we ever used to see from Tua, but he has heard the criticisms over the last few years about his arm strength. And so a reporter asked him about those criticisms. Here's Tua. I don't care. I, I mean, I don't care. 466 is, that's what 466 is if I can't throw deep. Thanks. 466. Like that's a, yeah, I mean, that's how many yards that man threw for uh, against the Chargers in week one. 466 yards, three touchdowns, 28 of 45. He did have one interception. Tua looked phenomenal in week one against the Chargers. I, I just don't understand why we keep on questioning Tua. I understand. And, and look, I'm, I come from a perspective of, yeah, I've got questions about his concussion history, and I hope he stays healthy. Because I think he's proven enough that when he's healthy for this Dolphins team, they're dangerous. They are dangerous. And you don't need to have the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers type arm in order to be a great quarterback in this league. Peyton Manning, I mean, he had a he had a pretty good arm, but Peyton Manning wasn't known for having the biggest arm strength. Yeah, he could push the ball down the field when he needed to, but he was just one of the smartest quarterbacks, knew where to put the ball, was very accurate. Why can't Tua be that? Is that is it because he's left-handed and it looks funky because he's a left-handed thrower? I I, I seriously don't know what it is with Tua at this point. Why why people would want, even want to bring up the, you know, I know during the preseason last year, everybody, you know, wanted to focus on the one video of the one OTA where he underthrew Tyreek mm-hmm. Hill, and everybody just wanted to point, see, oh, he clearly can't get it done, can't do it with Tyreek Hill. Why, why are they relying on Tua? Well, they, they found a way to make it work. Yeah, does Tua have the strongest arm in the league? No, but he clearly doesn't need to have the strongest arm in the league. This is one of the most dangerous offenses because not just because of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, but because of the guy who's throwing him the football. Right. It's why Chris Greer went out and got Tyreek Hill. It's why Chris Greer drafted Jalen Waddell, right? It's why they brought in these weapons that very specifically have the speed to get the yards after a catch because they recognize that he doesn't have the biggest yard, the biggest arm in the NFL. He, he doesn't have Justin Herbert's arm, but you saw what he just did against that Chargers defense in terms of everything, everything at his disposal and not just the accuracy. The accuracy has always been there, but utilizing everything at his disposal, utilizing that speed from the receivers, but also utilizing his arm because this idea that he never throws long passes, I think it's something that comes from those first couple years in the league, Gabe. And being down in Miami at the time, having a local show in Miami, talking about this Dolphins team extensively, it was something that we were all questioning a bit because you didn't see it. But of course you didn't see it because he didn't have the weapons to throw to back then. And frankly, Brian Flores did him a huge disservice as a head coach. Brian Flores, a heck of a D coordinator, and that's about that. There were major offensive efficient deficiencies on this Dolphins team under Brian Flores as a head coach. And none of that helped Tua, right? And none of it helped him look good. And so with Tua's off, what he was, what he was working with in 2020, what he was working with in 2021, it wasn't the type of offense that you're going to see him throw 50 yards down the field and bomb it out and air it out. Like he just didn't have the capability of it because he also didn't have the weapons around him. Now he doesn't need to do that. 
So now you're seeing him in Mike McDaniel's offense. He looks great executing that offense. He looked great in the first half of the season last season, executing that offense before the concussions. The only question marks with Tua should be the health. The health is a viable concern for Tua. I understand why people still question it. We've been questioning that about Tua since his college days. Frankly, you go back to high school. The guy never finished seasons, even stemming back to high school. So that's a legitimate concern here moving forward with Tua. But everything else, the arm straight, the accuracy, see the decision making all the other things that we talk about with these quarterbacks I I mean miss me with it all he's proven it the man threw for 3,500 yards and missed four games last year right like and 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 essentially it was more than that I mean he played in the second half against the Packers last year when he shouldn't have um and and he didn't play shockingly very well in that game because well he as we later found out was probably concussed during that but it I, I don't know how many more stats does this guy have to put up like how many how many more like you know unbelievable games or halves or touchdown to interception ratios does this guy have to put up? I I just don't know. I I, I don't know what the next criticism of Tua is going to be. I'm, I'm going to be something. to see what it is. There's going to be something. I can't wait to see what it is because I I'm just failing to see what that next criticism of what Tua Tagovailoa is going to be. I mean, part of it I think is how he how he comes into the league, right? Part of it's playing at Alabama. Part of it taking things over at Alabama for Jalen and doing what he did there at Alabama and becoming the biggest star at Alabama overnight. Like all of that brings the attention. And when the attention's there and the expectations are there, then of course the scrutiny follows. And that's just how it's been for Tua Tonkavalo. So I think part of it is like that he comes into the league as such a star mm-hmm. because of his college days. And so he's living under a microscope. And again, those first couple seasons in the league, I mean, they weren't particularly pretty. Like you mentioned there, his numbers from 2022. If you look just the year before, he played 13 games in both seasons. So he had 13 games in 2022, 13 games in 2021. In 2021, he only threw for 2,600 yards versus the 3,500 the next season in the same amount of games. His QBR in 21 was 49.7 versus 70.6 the next season in 2022. We saw a drastically different player last season when he was healthy than we saw the couple seasons before. But that's kind of how the progressions of quarterbacks are supposed to work. You're supposed to make that big jump from year two to year three. In year three. And we'll see what he does here in year four. So far, that man has made a a jump, but there will still be questions because it's Tua.